shooting that happened in New Zealand um, for those 49 people that lost their lives in the mosque and just the families that were affected by this. Jesus, um, it's a crazy world that we live in, God, and each and every day we need you more and more, God. We need your spirit to come upon us, Lord, and you are healer, and you're a God of mercy and justice and grace and love and truth, um, and we just know that this pain is not caused by you, Lord, and we just, we need your spirit, Lord, over the people, and um, we just pray for healing, God, um, for those who have lost their lives, Lord, for those families that have been affected by this, God, we just, we need you, Lord. We need you in the Muslim community. We need you here. We need you everywhere, Lord. God, just fill us with your love and fill us with your grace and peace, Lord. We need peace in a world that's filled with turmoil and injustices. God, we just we just pray that you be with the Muslim community, Lord, and you just be breathing into them. Your spirit would be over them, God. We love you, God. Amen. Good morning. All right. It's nice to see you all. Um, hey, fun fact. Did you know that Lynn has to turn on the microphone every time I walk up to the stage? Because I'm colorblind and I can't tell if the button is red or green. So just being vulnerable with you all this morning, okay? All right. Well, friends, it is good to be with you this morning, and it is uh, my distinct pleasure. Hey, my wife just walked in the room. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, I like her too. Yeah. Oh, I am pleased to formally introduce you to the Reverend Dr. Jack Connell, the 14th president of Eastern Nazarene College. Dr. Connell has a rich and robust career in higher education, serving in leadership capacities at Houghton College, Robert Wesleyan College, Northeastern Seminary, and Asbury University. He has also been active in pastoral ministry, growing the church in western New York. President Connell holds two doctoral degrees. Two. I'm still working on one. 
Uh, a doctorate in higher education leadership from the University of Rochester and a doctorate of ministry from Asbury Seminary. President Connell has been married to his wife, Wendy, for 30 years, and Wendy is a special education teacher. Um, they have four adult children, which you'll probably hear maybe more about today. Uh, on a personal note, I'm coming to develop an appreciation and understanding for Dr. Connell's wry sense of humor and gift for sarcasm. Uh, in fact, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> In fact, you know, I'm no theologian, but I think sarcasm should be a spiritual gift. Yes, yes. All right. I also don't get to make that call, so someone else gets to make that call. Okay. Uh, President, President Connell's passion for Christian higher education, it's contagious. And I know you will relish in getting to know him. Uh, would you please welcome Pastor Lynn and President Connell uh, to the stage for a chance to get to know him better. Can I just say something before we... Absolutely, I, feel free I feel free like I have to... to confess sin here out of the gate or something. I'm thinking, what did I say to Jeff that made him commend my gift of sarcasm, but I, I apologize for whatever hurtful thing I've said. Hi. Well, can this, could this just become a therapy session maybe? Um, I'm sure, I'm good okay, at I'll that. Okay, I'll let you go now. I am good at that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, why don't you tell us then a little bit about your personal story, Jack, and maybe why you, you grew to be so sarcastic. Sorry. Yeah, no. Why don't you all just wave goodbye to Jeff right now? So, no, no, I'm kidding. See, that's... See, that's... See, that's sort of it right there, isn't it? Yeah, like... That's sort of an example of what we're talking about, so... That's good self-revelation. Yeah. No, Jeff, we're, we're having lunch together right after this, and I will be sure to apologize and uh, assure him of his job security and whatever else would be appropriate. So, did you ask me a question? I did. I did. <laughs> so, yeah, my life, kind of about my life a little bit. No, yeah, we just, we want to get to know you a little bit better, the person, uh, Jack Connell. Tell us a little bit about um, where you grew up and, and your story. Yeah. Well, that's a big that's a big question, and thank you. Could I could I start just by forget everything I've said so far? <laughs> just delete, rewind. None of that happened. Um, I am here today with all of you this morning with such a great sense of gratitude and gladness, and um, just feel deeply honored by the privilege that this community is giving giving me. Um, I got here last evening, and I took my first. I took my first run around this area. Actually, run is a kind of a kind word. At my age, it's more like a slow, uh, lumbering, painful waddle that I took around the area. But I ran around the campus and ran down to the shore and ran along the shore and enjoyed all of that and saw the city skyline in the distance. And to be with all of you worshiping this morning, I just feel like the most 
uh, blessed man on planet Earth, and I'm so, so grateful for the privilege that's going to be mine to be with all of you and serve this uh, amazing college in, uh, over the next, hopefully, many, many years. I'm just seeing Dr. Cameron over here to my, to my left. I've been, Dr. Cameron, if, do you all know Dr. Cameron? Hold up your hand, Dr. Cameron, in case you don't, but <laughs> Dr. Cameron has written two volumes, at least, about the history of Eastern Nazarene College. Between these two volumes, they're about 6,000 pages long each, I think, but no, many hundreds of pages. I've, in, I've read them, Dr. Cameron. He gave them to me my very first day, and uh, the history of this place is just remarkable, and to now have the opportunity to be a part of the history of this place and to help write the story for the future of this place I feel so, so uh, grateful. So thank you for the privilege of being with you and for the chance to have this brief conversation. I called up my son uh, last time, my youngest son, who's 19 years old, so about the age of many of you, and I said, so tomorrow, Michael, they're going to interview me in front of the college students. Uh, do you have any advice for me? And he just said, he said, don't try to be boring, or try not to be boring, Dad. So with that vote of confidence from my son, uh, let me uh, try not to be boring and share with you quickly my story. So now I'll actually answer the that question. That was the question. Yeah, I'm going to get there. What is your I, story? I had a large Dunkin' Donuts coffee this morning, so a little, a little wound up. I'm a pastor's kid. Any preacher's kids in the room? So you know all the upsides and the downsides of that. Uh, but it was mostly wonderful for me when people ask, I think you ask where I grew up. My dad, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and in that time, pastors moved a lot. So I don't really quite know where I grew up, born in Rochester, New York, but we moved. I lived in Kentucky, lived in Iowa, lived in Minnesota, moved back to New York and a couple different small towns here. So I grew up sort of all over the place in a, in a wonderful pastor's home. Our life was very much centered around the church, as you would imagine, Sunday morning church, Sunday school, Sunday evening church, Wednesday night prayer meeting, youth group, summer camp, the whole deal. Some of you know that. And it was really just a wonderful upbringing. My, my parents are still, thank the Lord, they're still alive. I go have coffee with them most Saturday afternoons, and we uh, tell stories about back in the day. The one, one of the things that we chuckle about now about my growing up years is how strict and uptight they were and the church was. I'm a Wesleyan, I'm not a Nazarene, which I know is sort of a big deal around here. But I did interview with the Nazarene powers that be last week, and I think I'm in the process of like maybe getting accepted, which, if I'm not, puts us all in a really awkward place at this point, doesn't it? But So I will be a Nazarene, I think, fairly soon, but the Wesleyan church in the, like in the 70s when I was a kid, it was, uh, I mean, we couldn't do anything. I mean, we, <laughs> I couldn't, um, like dancing, of course, we couldn't do that, we couldn't play cards, uh, couldn't go to movies. I, I never, the first time I went to a movie in a theater, I was a college student. So that tells you something about the kind of... Uh, couldn't do anything on Sunday. I couldn't watch TV on Sunday. Couldn't play sports on Sunday. Couldn't be with my friends on Sunday. Couldn't do homework on Sunday. Um, I could breathe on Sunday if it wasn't really loud, like if I kept my breathing <laughs> quiet. So it was a pretty, pretty strict, uptight uh, growing up years, but, but permeated by a sense of... Um, God's love and also, of course, God's holiness. 
God's, uh, it was, it was a, a relationship with God that was sort of built around a sense of reverence and respect and a little bit of fear, but uh, grew up with God at the very center of my life and I'm so grateful for the upbringing that I had. Uh, went to uh, Christian College, Houghton College, which some of you are maybe familiar with. I always have said that Houghton is the best Christian college in the Northeast. Um, now, of course, I know it's the second best Christian college in the Northeast. So, <laughs> any Houghton grads in the room? Yeah, no, no. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I know there are a couple. So, had a wonderful time there at a Christian college, which is part of why I'm so passionate about what God does at a place like this, because I was, I experienced it, and 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 am the product of it. When I was in college, at a Christian, small Christian college like you all are now, I mean, there were two questions on my mind, of course. Number one is, who am I going to marry? Which, that, we'll, we'll get to that a little later. The more uh, immediate question, though, was, what am I going to do with my life? What's my career going to be? Because I was a pastor's kid, actually a third-generation pastor's kid. All the, all the men in my family and a couple of the women were ordained ministers, so it was sort of the family business. And there was, so I was open to that and thinking about that and intrigued by that. But one thing I didn't like about growing up in the pastor's home is that we were really poor. And sometimes people, when they grow up poor, they say, yeah, we were poor, but I didn't know we were poor. We were happy. Well, I knew we were poor, and it bummed me out that we were poor, and I didn't want to be poor. <laughs> I wanted to have money to go buy a car and buy a boat and have a nice house and roll it up and smoke it if I wanted to. It's, I'm probably I'm kidding. <laughs> Not that I would do that. Did I just say that? You did. Yeah. So I've never done that. I've never rolled up and smoked anything. <laughs> Jeez. Can I have a little fun with you all today? So I wanted to have money. So I was a business major. I was torn, though. I wanted to make money, so I wanted to be a business major. But I also did have this sense that maybe ministry was what God was calling me to. So I was back and forth, back and forth between those two. My junior year of college, uh, six, of my very, uh, six of my very closest friends were all killed in a car accident. Some of you, if you're at all familiar with the history of Houghton College, you may know about this. This was one of those moments that I remember very vividly every, the, where I was when I heard about it. And, um, you know, imagine, I mean, don't go too far with this. Lord, you know, heaven forbid, but imagine that six ENC students are all in a car and they get hit by an 18-wheeler and are all killed. That's what happened at Houghton in 1982. They were all good friends of mine. And I was, of course, uh, devastated uh, by this, as our whole community was in many ways. But uh, foundationally, it really challenged my faith to the point that I, uh, I, I really I came to a point over, uh, over the next few weeks where I believed that I, I could no longer believe in the Christian God. Because if a good God who's all-powerful could have allowed something like this to happen. And of course I did the thing, you know, well God, if you just slowed down that truck by two seconds or if they just took another road or how hard would it have been for you, God, to just move things around a little bit so that this wouldn't have happened. 
but he didn't, and I could not get my head and my heart around that, and so I essentially walked away from the faith for about three years, which sort of clarified the career decision for me, right? Because I know that the Wesleyans don't have the high standards that the Nazarenes do, but they do want their pastors to be Christians. <laughs> so it I finished my business major and I got a job in banking and at 21 years of age I was making a boatload of money, more money than my dad ever made, enough to, and I'm not going to ever use that sentence again, uh, but I was on my way financially. But over the course of the next year or so, for a variety of reasons that I'm already taking too much time on this question and I apologize, I was able to kind of come again to a place of faith. There were a lot involved in that. I remember one day going to the library in Buffalo to check out a book on world religions because I wanted to find a religion I could actually believe in. Like, that's, that's kind of where I was. But came back to a place of faith in Christ through a lot of prayer of my mother and father and a lot of encouragement from friends and mentors. The one conversation that really tipped it over for me was when I went back to Houghton College actually to talk to one of my professors and he knew about the agony I was going through. And he said, Jack, I don't have an answer for why suffering happens and why awful things happen in this world. The world is a, is a mess sometimes as was prayed earlier this morning. But this faculty member said to me, at least you know, in, in Christianity we believe we don't have perfect answers for suffering but we worship a God who we believe entered our suffering on the cross and always redeems it. And that was enough for me to get me to a point where I could say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, and sort of re-entered a journey of following Jesus Christ. Uh, very quickly thereafter, uh, decided that pastoral ministry was in fact what God was calling me to do. I walked into my boss's office at the bank, gave him my two weeks notice, said I'm going to seminary, he said, you're going to become a priest? I said, well, sort of. Went to Asbury Seminary. Um, and then, as, uh, as Jeff said so kindly, was able to serve in pastoral ministry for uh, 19 years. I was an assistant pastor at a college church at Houghton, a church much like this one. Then five years in an urban church. And then for 11 years served a large uh, suburban church and just had a wonderful 19 years in pastoral ministry. Um, complicated story, and I'll tell it another time. In my mid-40s, decided to transition out of pastoral ministry into Christian higher education. Sometimes people still ask me, well, Jack, why did you leave the ministry? Well, I want to say I didn't leave the ministry. I didn't have my credentials revoked or anything. I'm still a pastor. I'm still in ministry. I hope to bring a very pastoral-type presence to this community. It's just a different expression of the same calling. And now for the last 12 years or so, I've been in Christian higher education in a variety of roles. Uh, leading a theological seminary. I've done advancement work, fundraising work, enrollment work. Now I'm a provost and dean of the faculty, all of which in hindsight, uh, I mean, I never dreamed I would be a, a college president, but in hindsight, it all makes sense that that would be the preparation that God would put me through to be here with you today. So that's way too much, a little bit of my story. I did get married in there. Um, I met Wendy when I was... Uh, uh, serving as a youth pastor at Houghton Church. She was an admissions counselor. I met her in August. I asked her to marry me on December 1st. We got married the next May. 
when you know, you know, and you go for it. So she's the best, best part of our family, and she'll be a wonderful gift to this community, and excited for all of you to meet her and four kids, and I should stop right there. Because probably uh, we're already late for class, right? Are we okay? <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Um, so the history between New York and New England has not always been so friendly. <laughs> yeah. So some of us are wondering, why, why are you coming to ENC? Why, are you, why has God led you or drawn you to New England and to ENC? Well, I think you're probably all wondering the same thing after my earlier comment about um, rolling up and smoking money. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't have this remotely on my radar. Like, this is not the culmination of some grand plan that I'm going to become... You know, since this has happened, since I was selected by the Board of Trustees a few months ago, every once in a while I get an email or a phone call from a friend or someone who's known me over the years, and they say, Jack, I want to be a college president too. Like, how did you make that happen? And I just laugh uproariously because, like, I did not make this happen. This was no, this was, I, I'm as surprised by this as, as anyone is. But I was captured by, by the mission of this place which, um, again, I'm thinking of Dr. Kamen and, and the history. You've heard of the, have you heard of the name of uh, Bertha, Dean Bertha Monroe, Monroe Hall? How many of you live in Monroe? It is a dorm, right? So legendary figure on this campus. And it's, she's the one who I think put the words to it, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but there's no, there's no conflict between the best in Christianity and the best in education. Did I get that close to right, Dr. Cameron? And yeah, thank you. I get an A from in history today. Um, she was, she put those words to it. And I believe that's exactly right. And I believe that ENC embodies that and exemplifies that. So great, great academics. And the his, this college's historic commitment to outstanding academics is wonderful. And yet at the same time, a profound commitment to Jesus Christ and seeking ways to bring those two conversations together. I, I love that mission and want to give the rest of my life, my life to trying to advance it. By the way, quick uh, Dean Monroe story, and again, Dr. Cameron, maybe you'll correct me if I get this wrong, but she must have been an amazing figure because there was a day, this was in 1930, when the Board of Trustees elected somebody to be their president, and then Dean Monroe, the academic dean, asked for or somehow got an audience with the Board of Trustees about the decision they had just made to elect somebody as president, and before the day was over, they had elected somebody else as president. So, I, I'm sort of hoping she doesn't show up right now, <laughs> actually, <laughs> say, trustees, you all made a, but, but her vision that has been, uh, woven into the fabric of this community is really powerful. I've been captured by this community. Uh, this really is uh, a profoundly caring place that welcomes students and faculty and staff from all different sorts of backgrounds. The diversity of this community is rare in Christian higher education and I find a beautiful and very attractive thing. Uh, the location, I mean, I was running by the shore last, again, well, waddling by the shore uh, last evening. This city, I mean, and by the way, part of why the decision was made 100 years ago to come to Quincy, Massachusetts, was because Boston was known then even as really the epicenter of outstanding education in the world. And it still is. 
And here we are. What a great, great place. So an amazing mission, a wonderful community, a terrific location. What's not to like? I mean, I'm just, again, the most blessed guy. You don't guy. have to convince me. I'm the me. most blessed guy on here. the planet. And, well, I could say more about it. And Wendy thinks this is an awesome idea. And awesome. Our kids, and it's all good. You've already mentioned running, so what are some other things that you like to do when you're not working? Uh, well, again, running, running very kind, again, kind assessment there. Although on my bucket list, am I ready to say this? I've, anybody, who, yeah, anybody who's at all a runner, I mean, the idea of running the Boston Marathon, that would be a thing. Now, the you have to qualify for it, though. You have to be fast. I'm not that fast. We've already established that. But being here, I think about maybe someday I would try to do that. But I do enjoy running. Actually, I don't enjoy running. What I enjoy is eating. Right? Can I get an amen? And the price, right. And so the when you're my advanced age, the price you pay for liking to eat is that you run. So that's, there's that. I do love sports. I enjoy playing sports. I enjoy watching sports. You mentioned the New York-Boston thing. I'm actually a Red Sox fan, a Patriots fan, which, yeah. Um, I love to read. Um, I'm a pretty avid reader. love to read history, biographies. And, of course, my family, I mean, spending time with my wife, Wendy, and my four kids. Those would be some of the things I do in my free time. All right. Well, we didn't prepare you for this uh, before this chapel, but we actually wanted to know if you had any questions for our president-elect. So I'm going to give the microphone to Bubba. And if you have a question you'd like to ask, I'm going to limit it to students. I'm going to limit it to yeah, students. Yeah, thank you. I didn't, uh, I didn't know there were going to be faculty and staff here, too. Hi, everybody. <laughs> if you have a question, just go ahead and stand up so I can find you. What's your favorite color? What's my favorite color? Yes. I think red would be the right answer to that question, right? Yeah. Preferably in combination with black. It's just, it does a pretty powerful thing, yeah. That was a quick look at my tie, hoping it was red and realizing it isn't. Uh, tomorrow I'll wear a red tie. How do you plan on handling transparency and communication with the student body? How do I plan on, what was the word after plan? Handling? Transparency, well, great, great question. I hope you're seeing already that I'm a pretty candid, transparent person. I mean, my style is very approachable, I hope, very, pretty relaxed, warm and pastoral, I hope. So I'm not exactly sure of the specifics that are behind your question, and I gather from the response that there might be some specifics behind the question. And I'll probably find that out before the day is over. Maybe we can talk about that at lunch, uh, Jeff. Uh, but I want to be very open and available to you uh, individually and as your student government leaders and as a student body. And so I think, not to answer your question with a question, but I would say back to you, one of the questions I'll be asking of this community is, 
what kind of communication does, there ha does occur between the president's office and the student body, and how can we facilitate that and strengthen that, and whatever it takes to do that, um, I will be happy to do. So um, I'll try to model transparency and communication as, uh, as positively as I possibly can. I know that's vague, but I don't know enough about the specifics to be a lot more specific than that. Did that help? Um, on behalf of the senior class, we have a request. Uh, would you be willing, under the right circumstances, to end our graduation with, may the fourth be with you? So obviously everybody's in, the in on the joke but me, right? <laughs> so I think that could probably be arranged. So... Keyword there would be probably, because there might be a story attached to this too, but yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting that question. That's Star Wars, right? Anything else on your mind? Hi. Hi. So, whoa. I've never heard my voice on a microphone in this room. That's so cool. <laughs> First time for both of us in this room, so. So what was that movie you saw when you, the first movie you saw when you were in college? Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. So Lynn just said to me, transparency. By the way, is Lynn, is Lynn what they... So when you're 18 years old and you've never seen a movie and you're sort of sneaking into one, I can't believe you asked me this question. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm about to answer it truthfully. Um, let me say, first of all, that I did not enjoy... No, 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 I'll say the movie. The movie was called Stripes. It was a Bill Murray comedy from the 1980s. It was... Rated R, which means, well, in 19, yeah, take it easy, everybody. In 1980, whatever year it was, you can look and see. Um, it would probably be rated PG or PG-13 today, I would imagine. But I did think if I'm going to sneak into it, this is the first movie of my life, I'm not going to go to a Disney flick. I'm going to see a real movie. So it was Stripes, a comedy with Bill Murray. I'm not endorsing the movie. But I did not, I really did not enjoy the movie at all because you know, I've never been in a theater. And I remember thinking, you know, this the, the roof is going to open up and Jesus is going to appear and look down at me with a big frown on his face and simultaneously the floor is going to open up and I'm going to be on the fast track to hell. I was just kind of petrified the whole time. But anyway, that was the movie. <laughs> I wish I could have said it was 101 Dalmatians or something, but... Uh... Thank you. Well, we'll be sure to have more uh, time like this in community meetings and open hall forums. Um, if I still have my where job. Where you have more opportunity to be transparent, <laughs> Jack. You have more opportunity to be transparent. <laughs>
thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, we want to close today just by asking you, Jack, how can we pray for you and Wendy as you wrap up your ministry at Houghton and, and head this way? Thank you. That's a really, that's a really thoughtful question. As much as uh, everything I said at the beginning about how excited we are to be coming here is absolutely true. At the same time, you can imagine we are, we are saying goodbye to a place that we also love and to a lot of lifelong friends. And so, you know, two weeks from, two weeks from yesterday is my last day there. So we'd appreciate your prayers as we say those sorts of farewells and do all that's involved in, uh, in moving um, here to Boston, to Quincy with you. And then, of course, as I begin my duties here, which I will in two weeks, I always, I always pray the wisdom prayer, the James 1 prayer. Um, there's many, many dimensions of that, but I would ask that you would pray that God would give me a great wisdom as I try to determine what I should focus on first, what are the greatest needs of the college, and how do I help serve them, and how can I serve all of you students with excellence. So I would ask that you would pray that God would give me great wisdom as I, as I begin this wonderful job. And... Uh, and know that I do it with such great joy. Wow. Well, we are just, we're grateful. And uh, I haven't been a part of this community for very long, but just the journey that we've taken, right, over the last few years, it just feels so good to have the person that has been led by God to lead us. And we're just so grateful. And so would you express your appreciation? And just thanks to God um, for our new president. Well, I've asked Jared Johnson, he is our senior class chaplain, to come and pray a prayer of blessing over Jack as we conclude chapel today. So as he comes, I just want to give you a heads up. So Jack's first day in the office is April 1st. So I think I'm just going to give you permission, students, to welcome him in some creative way. On April Fool's Day. All right. Jared, would you come and pray for Jack? Thank you, Lynn. Uh, Pastor, would you join me down here for me? If I could have everybody stand where they are and extend their hands forward for Pastor Jack, our new president, uh, as I pray this prayer over him. Dear God, we thank you for the chance to get together each and every day on a campus that's dedicated to you and praise your name and pour out our thanks for you. And today we're thankful that you sent this wonderful pastor and his family to be our president and our leader. Um, ENC has been through a lot in the last few years, really the last 15 years, and we believe that you've been behind each part of that, guiding us through it and holding us when we can't see a way out. Uh, and we just ask that Pastor Jack's time here is blessed, that it is meaningful, and that real change can come to not only ENC, to not only Quincy, but to the entire New England district and beyond for the Church of the Nazarene and for the Church of God entirely. Um, Pastor Jack, receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance to you 
and give you peace. In the name of God, our creator, Jesus, our redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, our sustainer, thank you and thank God for this day. Amen. And now join me in singing our doxology. Praise God. Grace and peace, you are dismissed.